Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing? We are about to get into the Christmas holiday. Yes, we are. This is the last episode of the year for us. It's incredible. I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we had such an awesome, fun year of movies and podcasting. And we just celebrated your brother's birthday, and we just had a wonderful dinner with all of our friends to celebrate him, and it was delicious. So I am riding high off of that meal, bro. That was really good. Great food. Great Mm -hmm. food all the way around. And yeah, being the last one of the year, uh, this is the last movie review for the year 2022. Uh, we're, we're planning some stuff for 2023, uh, including a major change. Uh, that is something that I'll just tease out. Can't give any more information. (laughs) I can only say that there is a major change. (laughs) It is top secret. And there are top men on this. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Stop it with the Indiana Jones reference. Um, (laughs) but I mean, this is a pretty big one to... And 2022 on. Yeah. And then it is a long awaited, and I say awaited with uh, trepidation, uh, but <laughs> it is a sequel that has been in the making for a while. Uh, before we get started on said sequel, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media. You can stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support and get extra content. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And thank you to our patrons, Janet, Curtis, Bale, Cindy, and CD. We love you guys. Yes. Love you guys. So today we are talking about Avatar The Way of Water. This is a sequel from the 2009 Nine. picture Avatar. Uh, Jessica, do you want to go ahead and let us know what this movie's about? Sure. The IMDb synopsis reads, Jake Sully lives with his newfound family formed on the extrasolar moon Pandora. Once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started, Jake must work with Natiti and the army of the Navi Race to protect their home. Now, this movie is directed by James Cameron, a legendary filmmaker. You may know him for uh, Terminator, Aliens, uh, also <laughs> Terminator 2, Titanic. Ever heard of it? And, of course, the aforementioned Avatar. Uh, this movie was written by Cameron alongside Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver. The movie stars Sam Worthington. He is back as Jake alongside Zoe Saldana, who plays Neytiri. Uh, filling out this cast, uh, just to name some of the names, uh, Sigourney Weaver uh, is back. Uh, she's playing Kiri. Uh, we'll talk about that because that's a slight change in what she was doing from the first movie. We have Stephen Lang as Quaritch. Uh, we have Kate Winslet in a new character role as Ronal and Cliff Curtis as Tonawari. Uh, and then uh, a couple of other ones that we'll talk about later on in the movie. 
Uh, one of them I found uh, as a surprise. I was not expecting this person to be in this movie at all. Uh, but how did this movie do with critics and with box office, Jessica? Okay, so it has currently made $134 million domestically and $434 million worldwide, which I think is huge numbers. But then Cameron is out here saying that this movie would have to be the third or fourth highest grossing film in history to even break even. So, so these numbers are actually disappointing for an opener. For an opener yeah. of so this So just for context, just for context, he has to basically beat some of his own records like Titanic and get as close as he can to the first Avatar movie. First Avatar movie made $2.7 billion worldwide. That's a B. As of today, yes. Yeah. So it is huge shoes to fill. He's... The, I don't know how accurate he is when he says it has to be the third or fourth highest grossing film in history to break even, but I don't know. That's scary to think about. It really the is. Rotten, it is. The Rotten Tomato score is 78% for the critics and 93% score for the audience. The critics consensus reads, narratively, it might be fairly standard stuff, but visually speaking, Avatar The Way of Water is a stunningly immersive experience. So, <laughs> okay. speaking on the... Immersive. So, it, <laughs> speaking on the box office, 134 million uh, honestly feels a little on the light side. Uh, just That's because, what I was saying. Yeah. Just because, and just taking the whole aspect of like Cameron said, it has to make a certain amount to be profitable. I think that for a movie that's supposed to be the main blockbuster tentpole movie of the holiday season. Uh, starting with $134 million domestically feels a little light compared mm -hmm. to a couple of other movies that have opened up earlier this year um, that have made a lot more money. Just even a month ago, I believe it was Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, made more money than this in its opening weekend. It's set like a box office record for the month of November. Uh, so this kind of feels light, especially with the amount of promotion and marketing that this movie has done. Like, mm -hmm. you couldn't go to a movie without seeing this trailer. Um, yeah. There are posters <laughs> everywhere. There's Marketing's been all over the place for this movie. So that is concerning if you are a fan or if you're a studio, uh, in this case, uh, 20th Century Studios is the one partnered of course with disney they bought them out so it's a little concerning if you are the studio but we'll take that all you know we'll push that to the side let's talk <laughs> about our own experience with the movie yeah jessica what was your experience watching avatar the way of water so i went in bought my ticket and there was no option basically to not see this movie in 3D. So I was already a little bit upset. <laughs> I had to suffer through another 3-day movie. And I um, I think I did AMC Dine-In. So I didn't do IMAX. I didn't do Dolby. I didn't do none of that shit. I just, I love Dine-In. I like the seats and whatever. So my theater was packed. And the movie like starts. And I was like, oh my God. It looks amazing. Like... 
never mind the 3D because you kind of get used to it, but I thought that, oh, wow, what I really loved about Avatar, the first movie, was just how immaculate the visuals were and how immersive, like the critics' consensus says, how immersive it was. And I really enjoy, um, I guess, the aesthetic of the movie, for sure. Uh, was the plot like 100? I guess it might have been slightly better on, on the whole than the first Avatar movie. But was I blown away by the way of water 13 years later? I'm like a different person now. I was graduating high school when this first movie came out. Wow, that's... Yes. Quite some time ago. So now coming back to watch The Way of Water, I was like, okay, it has to. I mean, I'm a different person. And as much as I loved the first Avatar movie when it came out, and as much as I appreciate what it did and whatever, how groundbreaking it was, do I need to return to Pandora? Probably not. Was I thrilled with the movie? Sure. Not really, though. It was okay. it was perfectly adequate and definitely felt more like it needed a third movie to finish the story versus the first movie, which felt definitely like a one cohesive story. It didn't need a sequel. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the first Avatar definitely stands on its own in terms of what. Mm-hmm. The story plays out and everything. So if you ever, if that was the only thing you ever watched from this entire saga, you know, it could be a complete story by itself. Uh, but I will say that this movie, Avatar The Way of Water, my experience was the same as yours, dine-in. Uh, so the recliners, 3D. Uh, something else that <laughs> I want to talk about in terms of our viewing experience, I think we had the same one, was that this movie has a... It's VFR, so that's variable frame rate. Now, for people, if you, if you don't know what that is, so almost every movie you'll watch is shot 24 frames per second. It, it has like a that cinematic look that you're used to when you see a movie. Mm-hmm. So this movie does have 24 frames per second, but there are many, many, many times throughout the movie where it jumps up and doubles its frame rate to 48 frames per Per second uh and so what that kind of does at least in my viewing the way i uh rationalize it in my head it's like if you were playing a video game and you get one of those cutscenes mm-hmm. uh that go into the next part of whatever story you're playing and mm-hmm. so it there's like a real high definition uh smoothness yes i think a lot of people would kind of reference that to like the soap opera mode on a tv so like if you have like motion smoothing on Mm -hmm. your tv still on uh some people you know may not realize they have it but if they have it they it kind of gives like that soap opera effect Mm -hmm. Uh, is that a lot of people so for me i am not a fan of the high frame rate Yes, mm-hmm. I am not a fan. I think that I understand Cameron pushing the envelope when it comes to, hey, let's let's try something new. Uh, this yeah. is something that we could do with the space. 
Uh, mm-hmm. For me, though, it's it's just it doesn't really work. It, it took me out of the movie so many times. I agree. Whenever like they would be in middle conversation, sometimes it would be sometimes like they would be, you know, you'd see Jake Sully's like the cameras pointed at him and they cut over to Natiri and it's talking. But for some reason, hers is in a high frame rate. So like it kind of pulled me out at moments mm-hmm. throughout this movie. Especially uh, so, during action sequences for me. Yeah, that was that's a huge one. When I was like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, that was big because obviously you want to take advantage of the technology in the case of James Cameron. Uh I don't really enjoy it. I think it could have done well without the high frame rate. Now, in terms of the actual visuals, I think this movie is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think it's a beautiful looking movie. I think a lot of the stuff that takes place underwater is just magnificent to look at. Yeah. It was mo capture underwater, Mm -hmm. which is insane to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not just like pure CGI. Everything is CGI. No, like they filmed underwater uh, with mocap suits. That's why people like Kate Winslet had to hold her breath for minutes. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that because I don't really remember <laughs> seeing her character hold her breath for that long in the movie or needing to at, at any point, really. Uh, so I think this movie is beautiful. Um, just the colors, the textures, everything that you see on screen is awesome. Um the world that James Cameron builds for himself using his imagination, uh, traveling to this new tribe of people that mm-hmm. we meet in the movie that, again, their whole thing is they live off of the water. So they're a different type of Navi. And so just yeah. his his imagination is he's it's a giant sandbox for him or, you know, mm-hmm. in this case, like a giant pool pretty much like that he is using <laughs> to – show off the what he has in his mind for this story uh now plot wise um very it is simple i think basically the consensus from uh rotten tomatoes was pretty on on the nose Mm -hmm. with that is Mm -hmm. that this the story is very simple there's uh qualms that i have with uh either certain characters or just certain choices or just uh certain cliches that you'll see in, in the way certain characters act and we could talk about that in spoilers but overall i left it positively i left the screening in a positive view if i was just looking at it from a technical standpoint this movie would ha- receive a high grade from me mm. but of course that's not the only reason we, why you watch movies <laughs> so Right there. Uh, did you have other thoughts on on the movie itself there? The only thing that I was really looking forward to seeing was in all of the trailers, there were, I think, two characters that they showed pregnant. And I was like, that is something that I'm actually interested in seeing. Like, how are you going to craft this world and what's the plot going to do? When you throw a bunch of uh, pre- – not a bunch, but like, you know, a couple of pregnant people in there as well. Mm-hmm. And – I'm, like, very interested in that. Not that I'm, like, obsessed with pregnancy, but in film, if you have a pregnant person, that's basically all the plot is about is, like, the pregnancy or, like, what's going on with her, whatever. Mm -hmm. You never have an action sci-fi movie with a pregnant person in it. 
So I was like, okay, like I'm very interested to see what that does and how he handles it and whatever. And sure, I think that this movie dwells a lot on motherhood and um, familial ties and how do parents deal with uh, protecting their children and like what what's the role of a father and like all these themes are really nice. Do I think he handled it particularly well? I don't think he said anything groundbreaking with the, you know, the right. morals or whatever of the movie. And I think that might be a drawback because if you wait 13 years to tell this story and I've already seen the message a hundred million times before, I don't know, like, you know, it's a little bit like been there, done that. Yep. Uh, was it the best, you know, thing that I've seen around motherhood and fatherhood and all this stuff? no. Um, would I even th- consider this movie? I don't know. For oh, I want to watch a movie about like motherhood, or I want to watch a movie about like a family. Do do I want to return to Way of Water? Probably not. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things where I'm like, it's perfectly adequate for what it is, but is it rewatchable? Is it compelling? On the whole, no. No, it it's not. And not that I walked in with any type of like huge, you know, expectations for it, but I Same. I, I still kind of walked out like, you know what? It raised my expectations as I'm watching it, but then it kind of let me down with uh some of the just choices of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh spectacle, like Action set pieces are actually pretty good uh, throughout the movie. And it was kind of a, a nice feeling to kind of go in. Th- you know, you got, you're going through the motions, you're going through the plot, and then you hit a certain point and you're like, there's an action set piece about to happen. Yes. And like the excitement that I felt when I was like, oh, I realized that what's next is like an ass whooping, an ass kicking, like <laughs> something's going to happen. I was like, yes. I was like into it, you know? Yes. And I feel like that's the kind of – um I guess, evocative nature of a lot of James Cameron stuff when he does action, like he fucking does action, you know? Yeah, he does. Uh, um, So I found that really compelling. What'd you think of this third act that reminded me instantly of Titanic? Oh yeah. There there's, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of <laughs> copies his own thing. Oh yeah. It's it, the same formula. Yeah. And it's still so good. Oh, like, it's still I thought, slaps. I'm I'm like this is James this is his bread and butter like this is his bag and my sister said something really funny he was like she was like you know James Cameron knows the way of water you oh know what I'm saying goodness. and I was oh like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I mean that so. is true he knows his way around water uh, there was a lot of homages <laughs> to his own movies uh, yeah <laughs> so like there is a sequence where we see a character. Um, Inside of a sinking ship, not to give away too much, but basically inside of a sinking ship. And it does have a lot of similarities to mm-hmm. Titanic. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> It's like a, kind of a straight um, rehash almost. almost. I mean, honestly, like the, the panic and the way that it was like a water shoot and they're trying to find the air pockets and shit like that. I was like, oh, my God, this is like this panic is- inducing oh, Titanic. God all the way oh yeah it's it's 
It's something else. Okay. Um, a lot has been made about uh, Kate Winslet holding <laughs> her breath underwater for seven minutes <laughs> yes. and 15 seconds, uh, which is an amazing feat. Uh, but the character doesn't really get to do much in this movie. I was surprised that they banked on Kate Winslet so much as being in the movie mm-hmm. when she was barely in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, again, like I told you earlier today, I was like, I was looking for these long winners where she's underwater and she needed to utilize like these minutes at a time takes. And, uh, yeah, I didn't see that at all. Nope. <laughs> it's like waiting for a se- not a seven minute sequence with her, but you know, just some place where I was like, okay, I can see why they would need for her to practice holding her breath, and she would get up to seven minutes holding her breath. Like that's a crazy record. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. You know. So yeah, that didn't happen. I was like, where, <laughs> when. <laughs> I felt and I think that uh, something <laughs> else that was a little disappointing for me, at least, was the fact that Zoe Saldana feels a little sidelined in this movie. Yeah. She oh, doesn't absolutely. Get enough to do. Absolutely. Um, I they agree. They kind of just limit her into being like a basically like an emotional character, uh, just using that emotion to emote. Uh, you know, for just like the simplest of feelings, you know, like rage or sadness, like, but they don't give her enough nuance throughout the movie to really make her as compelling of a character as she was in the first Avatar movie. So a little disappointing there. Uh, And (laughs) yeah, so anything else that you want to talk about? I don't think we no. Let's All talk right, spoilers. My score well, for what's, it, what's your score um, for it? I put it at a B. B minus. Okay, uh, yeah, I put it just, at a B minus. Uh, when you when you factor in the great visuals versus the not so great story, it middles out for me at the B, and I'm guessing for you B minus in that same tone and respect. So. With that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to move into spoilers for Avatar The Way of Water right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's go ahead and talk spoilers for Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, So usually I like to ask, what's your favorite sequence? But I did want to start real quick. uh, Something that I had no idea about in this movie leading into the movie is that Edie Falco is in this movie. (laughs) And she is in one of those mech suits. And I could not stop laughing. Especially <laughs> the moment. Yeah, she was the yeah, general. She was a general. Now she's the general in this film, and the moment where she is using her hand motions to control the mech suit that she's in to drink a cup of coffee. I died laughing when I saw that. <laughs> it is hilarious. I can't believe they got her to do that. Oh my goodness! So I had no idea she was in there. Uh, all right, 
So nice. let's go ahead and let's talk. Do you have a favorite sequence uh, in this movie? Yeah, there's two. One is they, uh, Jake and Natiri go fucking Rambo on those mm. commandos in the third when act. they go and rescue their yeah. kids. No, no, it was kind of halfway through the oh. movie. Yeah, they would like in the You're jungle. Right. They were still they had captured the kids, um, and they kind of go apeshit. Ah, uh, now getting I the kids back. Now I remember. And I was like, that is pretty fire and then i guess the final sequence which was like the sinking ship and the whole thing and the whale flopping around on the deck and like fucking everything up and then it starts to sink and you have um this showdown again because they kept like on and off they're capturing kids and holding them hostage and finally you kind of have a showdown i guess a fight between jake and quaritch uh but underwhelming, underwhelming. But Zoe Saldana, I think, coming in clutch with her Neytiri, who's like a bat out of hell, really. She really was. I loved any time Zoe Saldana was on screen. I think she's really the A++ of this cast. Truly. I couldn't say great things about Kate Winslet and Sigourney and whatever else. But I really feel like she's this, just so good in her element as Neytiri. Oh, for sure. She is in her element. And one thing I will say is that I think that I was saying earlier that the movie doesn't do enough with her uh, because those moments are fantastic. But in terms of story beats, she's only there to basically either grieve a loss or to basically yell at Jake for like, we have to protect our home or something like that along those lines. So it, it's a little disappointing that that's what the character is kind of reduced to. Uh, but with that said, like you said, those action sequences that she's involved in where she is kicking ass, those are fantastic things to see on mm -hmm. screen. I thought the choreography in the final third act sequence with the sinking ship and like they're plowing through avatars and you're like oh my god it's so good um i loved it i thought they gave her really juicy moments to shine for that action sequence more so than sam worthington and i i, I can't heap enough praise on zoe saldana when the kid dies i mean she's tremendous she and i don't know why but like i always get goosebumps when she's doing like these guttural screams oh, or stuff yeah. when she's like when the kid dies, she's just like, ah, like she starts screaming and crying. And like the way she opens her eyes, too, is like amazing. I, I just there's something about it that's so compelling and interesting to watch. Speaking of action se uh, sequences, I, that's another thing that I will give props to James Cameron is the man does no action. Uh, he's shown us time and time again that he can build a good action sequence that is uh comprehensive that can actually hmm. you can understand it as you're viewing it there's not like these crazy cuts here back and forth like you don't understand like nolan yeah nolan <laughs> uh look i love nolan but that is he can't he can't shoot an action scene to save his life uh but cameron does an amazing job with action sequences so i really enjoyed 
the the third act like the battle sequence was really cool visually like there's so many stunning things in there um but what I do like, one of the sequences I do like is when uh, one of the kids is starting to get uh, connected with the whale creatures. Uh, so, like, it's like... Yes. Um, yeah, the middle kid is, like, bonding with that rogue bull whale. Like, for lack of a better word, that's basically yeah, a whale. Yeah, it's basically a whale. <laughs> yeah. And, <clears throat> and, yeah, that sequence Yeah, I love too. that sequence of them just bonding and kind of understanding each other because those whales are supposed to be like these amazingly smart and um like just the smartest creatures because they can emotionally intelligent and capable of high reasoning and functioning and they can compose music yeah. and like a whole bunch of stuff like they're basically just as sentient as we are so him bonding with this creature isn't so much like an animal it was a little bit above like bonding with i don't know a whale or a dolphin or whatever right it, it pretty much is like almost like a higher intelligent being mm -hmm. than they are uh so that that's one thing that i truly enjoyed i loved watching that sequence i love watching the sequence of the kids underneath the water and like they're amongst mm -hmm. when they're being chased by those mech uh, ships, uh, the little ships uh, in between like the coral mm -hmm. and all that. I thought mm -hmm. they went into like a kelp yes, forest. I really enjoyed that sequence. I thought it looked beautiful on screen. Uh, one thing from earlier in the movie uh, that I did like as well is once they arrive to that new section where the Navi are, uh, the water Navi is what I'll call them. Um, water, the tribe. water tribe, water, water, the water tribe. tribe. Um, I just love the way just that entire aesthetic of their tribe looks even to the down to the different shade of blue that they are. Oh yeah. They're like slightly greenish and they have some adaptations. Their arms are slightly thicker. Their so hands can, have kind of like. Their hands are a little bit wet. Exactly. To a little bit. And their tails look more like, um, you know, fish tails, not fish tails, but just they have some adaptations that the forest Navi do not. So it was cool. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it too. So those were some of the things that I, I truly enjoyed. They reminded me a lot of like, um, New Zealandy, Australia, uh, Maori kind of uh, culture, especially when they were like, "Let's go to battle," and they got really upset and they started doing like those like facial expressions. Yes. Remember, yes. I was like, "Oh, this is very, you know, Pacific Islander." That's what kind I was thinking. Yeah, Pacific Islander culture. Yep. Yeah, because like you see like the tattoos on them, as uh, uh, mm. the the leader of their tribe, like. Facial tattoo, like it looks Pacific Island like custom mm -hmm. in that way. So there was an influence there for sure. Uh, now, things that you didn't like, and I do have one like off the oh top my of god. my head. Oh my god. How many things? Okay, one. so. Or at least one of the same ones. Stephen Lang coming back and the retcon mm -hmm. basically that he did for Quaritch. For this gen of uh, this dude, the colonel, to come back. Right. Because he was like, he was killed in the first movie. Natiri shot 
what, like two, three arrows into him. Pop, pop. And he died. No, he didn't die because he put, he lo- uploaded his consciousness onto like their, a drive, like a USB drive, basically. And they inserted it into an emergency, in case of emergencies only avatar. So the avatar wakes up and he thinks he's the colonel. And they're like, you're not the colonel, you're a clone, right. basically. That, I mean, that's an interesting concept, but I don't know if it's done in the right way here. It was terrible. When they did that, I was literally sitting in my seat, mouth agape. <laughs> agape. I was like, they are not, he did not just do this to us in the first 20 minutes of this movie. Wasting no time You're doing t- that to us. Oh my gosh. I was like, that is the laziest fucking, just because you can there has to be another villain that you can create versus like resurrecting and the one from the first movie. Yeah, that's that I don't is know. one thing that I will say is that that does seem like a bit of a lazy way of doing it. Now, so let me let me take a step back. I think that there okay. is some uh, creativity in using that type of technology of like oh, uploading the conscience of a person into. Uh, you know, some type of server or whatever. We've seen this done many times. I know as recently as like Black Mirror episodes have done that. Uh, but oh, yeah. for this particular case, basically, hey, we want to use the same person. So we're going to that's how we're going to get around it. Yeah, not exactly the great this way of doing that. I and then his like bastard son that mm-hmm. was left. On this was planet. another thing that I didn't like. I was like, oof, I, yeah, I painful. don't like the fact that we're looking at a, a grown man wearing a loincloth <laughs> the entire time in this movie. It's like a Tarzan character. Yeah, it doesn't fit in this, though. It's literally Tarzan. It is Tarzan, and I did not care for it. I I don't like that how they use that character as to propel the plot mm-hmm. uh, by yeah. the fact that it was Lang's. Uh, or I'm sorry, not Langs, but uh, the, the colonel's, colonel's son, son that he left behind after his death. And because they can't put a child or baby into cryosleep, stayed behind on Pandora. He just got fucked over. He left the babies left alone and like raised by strangers who were on Pandora doing research and stuff. Like I think that. most of the things involving that character are just, like, dumbfounding. Like, when he's doesn't realize that he's being manipulated into helping them out, helping the bad guys out, was kind right. of frustrating to, to view. And then when he is then trying to help out the Navi by trying to damage from the ship, like, the, the motor or whatever he was doing... And then these mm-hmm. these people on deck, you know, don't restrain him. It's like, okay, so people are just dumb <laughs> around this character. And so I, I just... Right. I, it was very yeah, convenient. it was. It was very convenient to have this character. And then they have an emotional tie to the colonel. Uh, how did you feel about the d- dynamic of the way they portrayed it where this Navi colonel... Um, has the memories, but isn't really him. 
and seems like he has some sort of attachment. It, okay, so here's the thing, because he keeps saying, like, I'm not your dad. I'm, you know, basically something new. Yeah. I'm a clone. And I don't understand how that thing can function if it has all of Colonel's memories. Right. I mean... Like, I would think I am the Colonel. Right. So would I. Like, to me, I think they should have not done that and had a completely, like, fresh clone. Like, maybe it has, like, an aggressive tendency and maybe, like, he can he has some skills already to fight and whatever. But why does he have all of his, like, what's the purpose of that other than creating a new version right. of yourself? And then... I don't know. It just seemed like then there's, like, what, how is this thing, how is this clone, Quaritch, not going absolute batshit? Well, the big thing... That's like a conundrum to me because I'm like, okay, you have all these memories. Your your real body is dead, long dead, and now you're on this like one track mind mission to take out Jake Sully and like restore a colonial order on this planet and like whatever else. Like I just don't think like why I that that character is not asking no, why it's enough not. and. It's definitely a personal vendetta that's happening there uh, between the right. characters. But if he's not... Okay, so here's the thing. If he's not going to claim the kid is his, why is he claiming the vendetta is his? Exactly. That doesn't make any sense to me because uh, the whole point was of trying to stop this character, Jake Sully's character, was because he was being basically like a terrorist to that to that company by destroying their equipment and trying to protect right. their land. So he was becoming a nuisance to the company and to this military organization. But once they kind of figure out <laughs> a different way of doing what they're doing was basically trying to obtain unobtainium, but they're trying to do it in a different fashion this time around. So no more unobtainium. That's not what's paying for the no. whole show. What's paying for the show is like these, it was like a, material or like liquid from a gland from that whale creature because it stops human aging fine that was done way late in the story too they were like yeah never mind about unobtainium like this is the real like liquid gold here and like they have this whole conversation about this is why people are planting themselves here on pandora not only are we trying to basically create a new earth and take over this moon planet or whatever because Earth is dying. That was like another like yeah. in passing. They're like, yeah, Earth is dying. We got to yeah, set this up. Really but square that away. then they were also like, oh, we're we're harvesting this gland liquid or whatever from the whales because it stops human aging and it's worth I don't know how many millions of dollars each mm -hmm. vial. So all this stuff, fine, fine, fine. A lot of exposition. But to me, like, truly Quaritch is a conundrum of a character. Why would you create a character that has, like, no, like, conscience? Like, where is the, I don't know. I thought there was no struggle with that character. It was just lock and load, colonel, clone. But <laughs> he's now an avatar. Like, we're not going to talk about how what that's doing to him. Like, what is that? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's just a lot of questions that I have and it's like yeah. not clicking for me because I think that ultimately making the goons into avatars was a good idea. Yeah, I agree. Like in theory, I think that's a great idea to make 
the playing field more even is to create a bunch of marine avatars. Fine. Just like Jake. Like, they're taking a page out of Jake, that whole thing right. in the first movie. What made him so unique? But then, <laughs> I don't even like, they're just, I don't know. It was not done to my satisfaction. No, it wasn't. Um, So... Obviously, I think there's more that we can talk about in in reference to this movie. But how shitty was the name Spider? <sighs> Bro. But how shitty Bro, was the name Spider? On, you gotta be able to oh do better. Oh my god. He's like, I'm Spider. And he's like, aren't you like... <laughs> what? Like, he had a real name. He did, but he kept going as well, Spider. What was it? I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, but... He was like, I'm not Cody anymore. I'm Spider. I don't go by that anymore. I don't even know. <laughs> not. No. No. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, I want to say. Man. Uh, so the actor's name is Jack Champion. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm i still looking for that character. It's okay. But, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Uh, I just think that that character is not a very good character at all. Okay. Well, aside from the Colonel Karich and his bastard son and that whole like mess that happened in the plot, we also have Sigourney Weaver's character <laughs> having an immaculate conception. And her avatar gives birth to this character named Kitty. Yep. <laughs> Which I was like... I beg your pardon. <laughs> like what? And then they're making jokes like, "Who knocked her up?" Like yeah, in Avatar. Exactly. Form. Yeah. And and so Sigourney Weaver playing a younger version of herself. She's playing a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, she is. Uh, props to her for doing that. Props to her. I don't think she did no, badly I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine. Obviously, this this character definitely has a connection to uh it was awe i i want to say like awa bro awa awa not awa <laughs> awa um obviously there's a connection there and we see it play out later on in the movie so obviously yes. this is not something so, that's fully explained like how does she have this connection how was she born so this is a this is something that is being left uh, for a third part, fourth part, fifth part, whatever they're trying to do at this yeah. point, whatever Cameron's <laughs> trying to do. But it would have been nicer to at least get a little more um, of a sense of where they're going to go. They tried to play off her special abilities as, what was it, epilepsy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. that she, And that's why she was having these like euphoric moments in nature and thinking that she can feel Awa's heartbeat and like crap like that. So obviously that's not the case. Like it's not just that she has epilepsy. Right. It's that she really does have a connection to Awa and maybe she's some kind some kind of Jesus figure. I don't even know because the Immaculate Conception thing is very I mean, it Ooh, felt boy. also very Star Warsy because she has that moment where she connects to the underwater tree yeah. and then she has this like vision of Sigourney Weaver and she's like oh who was my father like whatever and 
it's very and then i don't know it just felt like ray in front of that mirror in the pit and <laughs> the last, last jedi, jedi you, know, you know what i'm saying like it was like all right oh, i get it funny. you're not gonna tell me anything so uh it was okay i really liked the character but how she got there was busted mm, I, I see what you're saying so uh there's some uh, very cool visuals with his her character uh, especially in that final sequence where she's using, I mean, fireflies is the best way I could describe it, but underwater fireflies to kind of guide over to her family uh, where they were mm-hmm. drowning. Uh, there's the references to Titanic, like the way it, that's kind of composed in the movie. I almost want to someone to recut that entire third act sequence where they're like, Trying to get away from the water, they get sucked into the ship. Jake Sully's fighting underwater mm-hmm. with the colonel and like all this stuff, and them trying to escape the rising water. Um, Spider and Kitty are uh, climbing over the hull of the ship, yeah. trying to get to the highest point. Like literally, it's Leo and Kate all over again, <laughs> all over again. So this whole sequence, I want them to cut it to James Horner's score. Oh yes. <laughs> Like that whole, uh, like, Titanic. you know, the, the action part of the score from Titanic. I want them to do that. Somewhere. Oh, that would be funny, actually. It'd probably be like a beat for beat kind of. It probably would. Pretty, it would work, I think. Uh, Yeah, I think it would yeah. work. I think it would. So. So, what did you think? What did you think of this? I guess that the oldest son was going to die. They'd never kind of worked on his character mm-hmm. and fleshed him out so i was like okay he's like a perfect son he's gonna die (laughs) (laughs) i'm terrible and i was fully expecting spider to save quaritch um his quasi dad Mm -hmm. because i think they're gonna transplant his soul into that avatar yeah yeah they are like there's that like the romance that he has with kitty or like this implied flirtation or crush that they have on each other is interspecies right now so i think that he has the heart of a navi person or whatever so they're gonna turn him into a real boy oh Oh my god (laughs) that's why he had to save the body because yeah the whole thing with the avatars too is like it had to be like related to you or had to have like the same like connective DNA or something. So I was like, okay, well, if that's his dad and has the mm. DNA made with the DNA of his dad, then that's like the perfect little avenue for him to get turned into oh my a Navi God. person. Are we really going to go down that route? That's, I mean, a, that's that my... Be... I'm sticking to that theory. And the fact that it didn't happen, but he did save him, I was like, okay, yeah, half he right. he definitely <laughs> did save him. So there was a lot of like very like not so subtle you know moments where you can tell oh there's gonna there's gonna be a moment where these two kind of help each other in some way shape or form um but (laughs) not the eye roll yeah give me the eye roll uh, i don't mean to eye roll but (laughs) there was a lot of like just very simple ways of going about it uh okay so overall 
And unless you have something like kind of big to talk about. Um, one last thing that I'll say is Kate Winslet when they were like, oh, we got to go. They stole our kids. We got to go get the kids. It's time to fight. And her husband, played by Cliff, Cliff Curtis, was like, you should stay behind. And she was like, I ride. Yes. <laughs> she just like he left. I was like, bitch, yes. <laughs> that was fantastic. So yeah. uh, the women getting like <laughs> moments to like shine. Uh, that was great. Well, I liked how it wasn't necessarily dwelt no, upon. It was like quick or referenced that uh, obviously she's pre- obviously yeah, she's pregnant, and obviously I can understand her husband being like, maybe you should like sit this one out, and she's like, fuck that, exactly. we ride, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we ri- I ride, <laughs> like bye. <laughs> All right, so simple. Do you envision this movie uh, to kind of tie it in with our next episode, which will be when we come back from our break? Uh, for two weeks. Uh, do you envision this being in your top 10 for t- 2022? Oh, no. no, right? No, no, I don't envision it either. I have quite a few movies ahead of it from 2022. Uh, it's it's a, f- it's a fun time of the movies, but uh, I'm not going to like sit here and tell you I can't wait to see it again. Um, no. No. Especially, what did you look at your watch at all while you One were watching? One time, in that middle section of the movie. I looked, I looked, yes, I looked at it exactly halfway through the movie, and then I was like, oh shit, I'm halfway through this movie. <laughs> There's still an hour and a mm-hmm. half left. And I looked at it maybe 30 minutes at, um, until the end. So like, th- right as the third act was starting, I was like, okay, this is the last 30 minutes of this movie, like this is it. Yeah. Uh, I just two times I looked at my watch. They spend so much time introducing you to the world. They don't. They don't speed it up. There's so many things they could kind of tighten up a bit. Like the spectacle can still be there without spending so much time. I think it's like if you thought the first movie was very environmentalist message, um, a dig at colonialism, and uh, the quote-unquote, discovery of new lands and things like that. Uh, this movie is even more oh, so, like, sure. an environmentalist message and even more so, a, you know, a, what's the word? An indictment of colonialism and all of that. Like, really, it is the Pocahontas message all over again, yes, but, you know. Still... Less colors of the wind. (laughs) More blue. More blue, less other colors. (laughs) All right. So would you recommend people seeing this movie in theaters? Sure. But I don't know if you need to pay $20 to go see it. Like my ticket, if I didn't have AMC Stubbs, would have been a little over $20. And I'm like, that's steep. It is steep. That's a steep. I personally would recommend it to people uh, just for the pure spectacle of it. I think that that should be viewed on the mm-hmm. biggest screen possible. Um, That's true. I this, agree with that. If you play this on your regular TV, even if you have a really good setup, like even like, you know, you have like a 65 inch with soundbar, you're going to be missing some aspects of how grand of a scale this is. So that's the reason why I would recommend this movie Mm -hmm. for theaters for a one-time visit to the movies. Like, 
you know, go with the 3D. I think that it's rare when I recommend 3D. I don't really recommend it often. But if you are going to see it, check it out in the way that it was intended by James Cameron and not like, oh, the studio just decided to throw out a 3D version. No. (laughs) No, it was definitely intended to be seen like this. And it's beautiful. Like, I think in complaining about little plot things and mechanics of stuff and retconning and whatever else you want to call it, like, I don't want to undersell how beautiful the movie looked. Yeah. It was amazing and definitely the most brilliant part of this whole watching experience was the visuals of it and seeing the underwater sequences and knowing that they actually went through the trouble of filming underwater and um yeah the mocap stuff is really amazing and i love how everybody who's involved with the film is like really positive about the experience of filming mocap and how they're like it you know he could have a couple of cameras on you, but it really doesn't matter because the mocap suits are picking up everything that you do. And after that, he can change the entire setup of the scene. Right. Just be, like, you know, he can get multiple angles. He can do whatever he wants after the fact because he has your entire performance in the system. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like everyone's talking about, oh, you have costumes, you have makeup, you have all these things like kind of tying you down. And in this case, it's like pure performance. Yeah, it is. That was a common thread throughout a lot of these interviews and pr- the promo for the movie was the actor saying like, oh, this was an amazing experience because you didn't have to, you weren't bogged down with all of this other, all these other trimmings. You could just play your character and you didn't have to worry about where the camera was. You didn't have to hit your mark. You didn't have nothing. On. Like It was yeah, amazing. It was amazing. Visual, yeah. a stunning just technique to use uh again james cameron always thinking technology he is a guy who is obsessed with new forms of technology and so i believe if i'm not mistaken he did film part two and part three simultaneously uh because he had that much faith in it now how we'll go forward from there i don't know depending on how well this one does so there is a mm-hmm. lot writing for the future of Pandora and Avatar with this movie. Um, we'll see how Disney kind of looks at this number and sees if it is a success or if it views it kind of in that failure bar uh, ballpark. So I I think that, again, enjoyable for the most part. Definitely watch it on the biggest screen possible in 3D. Uh, it's the way it's meant to be seen. Um if you have thoughts, if you've seen the movie or have thoughts on the movie, let us know on our socials. We're at Always Critic Pod, wherever you find us. That's at Always Critic Pod. If you are just checking us out for the first time, thank you so much for checking us out. We truly appreciate it. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, all of them. Just look for Always the Critic Pod. Uh, if you've done that, and want to support us even more. Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. That's where you can join our Patreon subscribers in supporting everything that we're doing here. And as we're entering into 2023, we got some exciting stuff happening behind the scenes. Uh, and so I can't <laughs> wait to uh, you know, be able to share that with you guys coming into the new year. Uh, 
Uh, before we get out of here, uh, since this is the last episode of 2022, uh, anything that you want to say to our listeners, anything that you want to say to them? Oh, wow. Um, thank you for continuing to listen to us and support us and being, you know, so nice um, on all the socials and being patrons and everything. It is really comforting to know that we're not just talking here to ourselves. <laughs> um we do have listeners and uh, we hope that you guys will stick around for the next year. And it was a great year. I think it was a pretty good year in yeah. movies. So we had a lot we of had fun. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait to talk about our favorite movies of 2022. That'll be the first episode in the new year. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, in the meantime, it is the holidays. So if you do celebrate any of the holidays that are coming up, whether it be Christmas, Hanukkah, uh, Kwanzaa, New Year's, or anything else during that time period. We wish you happy holidays. Uh, may you have a great time. May you be safe during that time as well. And we will catch mm -hmm. you in the new year. But with that said, this has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic podcast. Yeah.